Greetings from Covenant Community of LJ, Georgia. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages God has provided to our fellowship from His Word. May He bless you richly as you seek Him. We'd like to invite you to be with us in person someday soon. And for information on that, visit us at covenantcommunitylj.com. And now, let's open up God's Word. Especially through this series in Colossians, thank you, uh, this series through Colossians where we've been elevating the supremacy and preeminence of Christ Jesus, right? Oh man, it's just like, that's what I want to sing right now, it's all hail King Jesus, yeah? I mean, there's, there's nobody but him, yeah, that's why we're here and we believe that he is the, the source of everything good that we have and the hope for the community around us and that's really what Colossians has been about and if you're showing up today, know that, that we are finishing this up. And so if you kind of thought you kind of got on the tail end a couple of weeks ago, we're about to have a new beginning and a new, a new reset here, uh, which we'll tell you more about very soon. But we're wrapping up the very end of Colossians. And as we do, sometimes we get to the end of these little books and we see these greetings that are being made towards people. And it's easy to sort of shut our brains off. I once actually spent some time memorizing in Colossians and when I got to uh, this part, I kind of lost like some steam because it was like you're getting all these people's names and it's like, well, why do I need this in my life? But over the years, I've realized that there's no part of scripture that you want to just ignore. You want to dig in every little bit and we want to be faithful to the book. And plus, honestly, there's some rich stuff in here that is so appropriate for today. God has guided us through moment by moment. But and to get us going, Colossians has been uh, pretty awesome. I hope you haven't missed any of it. For me, it's been an exciting time, but uh, hopefully you've begun to understand why Paul was so passionate about helping the church in Colossae understand their identity in Christ and, and honestly the supremacy of Christ and, and how the mystery of Christ in us changes everything about the way that we live, the way we operate, the way that we think. It, it explains that, that God has saved us through Christ. He is sanctifying us through Christ in us. And he's calling us out to serve the world around us with the power of Christ in us. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking how the message of Christ comes out of us when Christ is in us. You can't, you can't repress that enough. If Christ is in you, eventually he is going to win. He is the big dog. All things are created by him and for him. And so if he is in you, that message is going to work its way out of you. God will, God does this. He will break us. If we are his children, he'll bring us to the point of brokenness where his message is going to come out of us. He's going to do it. You can do it the easy way or you can challenge him on it, but he is God. And if he is in you, his message is going to come out of you. We've been seeing also how Paul's life and ministry has just challenged us to, to let and I say this carefully because I believe God is the one who does this, but, but Christ in us, how do we release what, what has happened in us to the world around us so that it impacts it? And I believe that that's where we're at in Colossians. So here we are in the last little bit of chapter four. And as we get here, we're going to read some of Paul's farewells to his friends. He's saying goodbye to some people. He's commending some people. He's sending a charge to some people, uh, which is appropriate today at the end of our service 
Uh, we are so proud that God is adding two elders to our church. And this is an elder-led church where we understand that God has called uh, some men out to, to supervise and to, to guard and protect and serve and bless and teach and, and honor the church in a very important role, which God has set some very high standards for. And uh, we, are, we are now going to recognize two elders at the end of our service who've accepted the charge here. But as we look at this, Man, this goes beyond even those two men. And it's crazy. We didn't plan for this to all happen today because we were in Colossians chapter four. God sovereignly works out all of these things to his pleasure and his good and and for his glory and for our benefit. We see how he's doing that. But he's saying farewell to some friends and he's giving them this this charge that's tucked in here as well. There's a couple observations that you make when you read through this list. We're going to read in a second is that Paul, he was spending time with some pretty impressive people. I mean, these are, this is a who's who of what was happening in this region and some you'll recognize from other places, but it serves to me as proof positive that Christ in you changes you and causes you to live in a supernatural way that goes beyond natural living. And that's really the joy of Colossians as we're getting this. If I had to get anything to you, it's one, we want you to fall in love with Jesus. We want you to recognize that he's the boss and he's the source of everything good. And we want you to realize you can live in a supernatural way, not because you're awesome, but because he is awesome. That's why we were wanting to elevate the supremacy of Christ the way there's no doubt in your mind that he's the best thing going. And then when we come to this realization that he is in us, you have to rethink your entire life. And that's the whole deal. And we're looking at these people we're seeing how these people are having to recognize that their lives have been changed. And I think it's proof positive that Christ in you changes you. So he, he definitely gives uh, those things. If you look at Paul's life, I, I want you to think about this because this is, to me, something that I desire to be true about myself as the years go by. And I see it in some of my heroes in the faith. But there is a wake like an aircraft carrier behind Paul the Apostle. Right. He has churned up everything in his behind him. Nothing is untouched. I mean, it's this massive wake of disciples that have been impacted by the gospel. There is a long line of people who are in love with Jesus because Paul was following Jesus as a discipling, committed, spirit filled, Christ empowered believer who was going out and doing what Christ in him wanted to do. And when I see that in Paul, when I read this list, It inspires me because if I'm honest, I want that in my life, not for my glory, but because I believe it honors my God that he deserves that kind of, I could care less about my own recognition and pray frequently that he'll just erase my name from the history books. I don't care. I don't want anybody to be, that's just, I I got no shot at it anyway. But if I did, you know, if I did, I wouldn't want it in there because the bottom line is that we want him elevated. I think that's where Paul went too. So we want our life to be used uh, for his kingdom's sake. So you see this line of people that, that's following behind the life of Paul. And I, I think it's incredible. So there's a danger here when we read this, okay? And there's a way that we can look at some of these amazing people in Scripture that live these lives that are admirable. There's a way we can look at them that's very helpful. And there's a way that we can look at these people that's not so helpful. And let me explain this because I think the enemy, just like on the news cycle, there's this people want to spin it, you know? I think the enemy wants to spin this. And, and take this to rob you of this incredible truth. And God wants you to see it for what it is. So there's a way you can see the people in this list that's helpful. And there's another way you can see the people in this list. And honestly, throughout scripture, that's not so helpful. Let me explain. We often think of these people in scripture 
like they were some kind of supernatural heroes with superpowers that could do things beyond anyone else that that had some sort of tools that we don't have, that they were super Christians possessing something we could never attain. And honestly, it gives us permission to make excuses uh, for our lack of faith as we choose to think that these people are more than human. Somehow it lets us off the hook thinking that from the reality that this kind of obedience that they were demonstrating was not radical and crazy and the exception to the rule, but that's just a normal response to the God of the universe living in your guts. Like, right? Like, this is just what happens. I mean, there's a, this is normal. And I think when we look at heroes in scripture, we think, oh my gosh, like there's, there's no way I could live a life like that. So I'll come, I'll listen to the enemy who wants to spin this and accept the fact that I'm just going to sit here in mediocrity and, and not really impact the world around me because the world doesn't care. And I'm not an apostle, right? I'm not listed anywhere in scripture. That's what the enemy wants to spin it into your thinking. And if he wins that battle, you could very likely sideline yourself with Christ in you. And I don't want him to win that battle. Not after all this, not after how many billions of weeks through Colossians, right? We've elevated this truth that you have Christ in you. Do not let him rob you of this as we look at this list and say, wow, you know, well, these people were really amazing. I wish, I wish uh, I had what they had. You do. <laughs> you have Christ in you. And so this is a, a list of super Christians who were the exception to the rule. This is a, a group of people who are Christians walking in the power of Christ in them. They're supernaturally transformed, normal, everyday, regular people like you and I. Do you believe that? Will you let yourself believe that? I realize there's some pushback there. We're like, well, yeah. And all the exceptions that you're listing, honestly, all that does, if you're saying like, well, they had this. And yes, there are different giftings. And we've been over some of that. And we'll get into some of that in a second. But there definitely we want to give uh, all the respect to that we possibly can. But to say that you have to sit back and not do anything because you're not these people is a tremendous lie that the enemy loves to tell. And it is just not, we're not going to let him, we're not going to let him have that in Jesus name. So we need to stop and ask ourselves this question before we read this passage. What is normal for people with Christ in them? What is a, what is normal for a Christian? What is a normal Christian? If you have Christ in you, Maybe we need to redefine what normal is because we look at it and we think, wow, they really, that's, that's next level. I mean, okay, well, maybe, but what was next level is that they just believed what was true. Remember, the righteous walk by faith. It's believing that Christ in you is enough. That's what sets your life apart, not your amazing skills and gifts. God will grant those to you as he chooses and he'll provide for you exactly what you need in the moment. Even if you've never had it before, you'll have it when you need it. And if you walk by faith, trusting that Christ in you is enough, it's faith that makes the difference, not these people's gifting. And it's faith in a God that puts Christ in you to operate. And so we have to get that. What's actually normal? And and we have to, to really let ourselves consider, could it be that the lives of these people really is just normal? It's not a comfortable thing for us to, to consider, but God loves to use normal. God loves to use broken. God loves to use the weak. God loves to come in and do the unexpected through people you never thought he could use through, through hurting people with. And honestly, these people in scripture, if you pay attention, came from families that were, that were inside out and upside down and all over the place. They had weird things going on in their lives just like we do. They, these, they came out of situations that were crazy. Some of them had passed that we are glad we don't have, including the author of this letter 
who was privy to murdering uh, Christians who were following Jesus Christ. So all those things about, well, you don't know about my past and this and that. Please, it's not about your past. It's not about your present. It's not about your power. It's Christ in you that is working in these things. So giving ourselves freedom to just believe that we all start with the same baseline. We are sinners. We were sinners in need of salvation but we have been rescued by God and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And we are able to walk uh, as believers in Christ, adopted into God's family where he is able to uh, empower us in incredible ways. So finally, we're here and, and let's let's read this. And there are different ways to pronounce a lot of these names. And so uh, I'm going to give you freedom to criticize however you need to. But I'm going to do my best. So um, <laughs> this is Colossians 4, 7, uh, verse 7 through 18. It says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful brother and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as, do, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So as we read this passage, there's a few things that we get. Uh, observation I made originally that you see, this is, a, this is a who's who list. These are amazing people that Paul is commending at the end of this letter. He's, he's commending certain things. He's also uh, challenging them to certain things. But we see, I said these were regular people. Well, who were these people? I mean, Luke and, and Demas, they, they never left Paul while he was there in prison in Rome until he was beheaded. So they kind of stuck there with him and were supporting him and were caring for him. And they get mentioned here. Aristarchus, uh, it, it, he's a fellow prisoner with him. All right. And so he is sitting there basically with Paul in prison, who is a for the same reason that Paul is in prison is what we believe is that he was there uh, kind of as a uh, being shut up for the gospel. They don't want the gospel out there. So he's being silenced and he's in prison for the very same reason. Finally, we see Tychicus, who was with Paul in Greece, but he was also from from Asia. We see that he was there while he was doing his work in in Greece. He's converted all right. He's converted in Asia and then followed Paul to Greece. Uh, he, he actually matured very quickly. And when you see his life, you see that Paul began to really trust him with important tasks 
He was the one that actually took, if you go through and read Acts, he's the one who took this very large offering that the Gentiles offered to the church in Jerusalem uh, as sort of a thank you and to support them. Uh, He was the one who delivered that message. And we believe that he was one of two people that were considered uh, to fill in after the elder Titus, uh, who was the elder of the church in Crete. And so uh, Tychicus was a, a very... Uh, incredible man who was serving the Lord right alongside Paul and was working in incredible ways uh, serving. So we also see Onesimus, who was a, a friend of Paul. Paul loved him. So he, he was beloved by him. And, and he is sent to Philemon uh, saying that Paul thought of him as a son. So, I mean, this Onesimus, Paul, Paul thought of him as like his own. Like this is, he's family to me. He's like a son to me. Uh, yet Paul did not choose to keep him close to himself and surround himself with him. He instead sent him out uh, into the world around him. He called him into ministry and sent him out, uh, even though Paul mentions that Onesimus gave him great comfort. And if I'm in prison, I'm keeping everybody who's bringing me comfort with me for, for the record, right? He, he brings me comfort. But instead, you see that Paul was willing to, throughout his ministry, train up these people in order to send them out. And if I can, this is not really what we we want to make the main point here, but I want to throw this out. That's one of the core values of this church is that we are not here to collect mature Christians. We're here to send out mature Christians. Okay. And so the, the end game for us is to launch out mature godly believers into this community and into this world. And whether they wear our church's name or not is really not our concern. Our concern is sending out mature godly believers to build God's church wherever that may happen. And if that means we have to to, to let go of someone who brings great comfort to us in order for them to do what God has called them to do. We are going to send them out. That's how we're going to roll here, right? We're not going to be here like, oh no, we believe this is the only place that God's at work and you have to stay here. No, we're never going to do that. So uh, if you're wanting to serve and honor God, then we're going to do the hard thing and trust that God will send someone because some of you guys I can think and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I kind of want to swallow hard because I'm looking around and I love you guys. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, <laughs> we're trusting you here because we, we need you and, and each of you brings so much comfort to one another and certainly to me. I know uh, all our, our leaders here, we feel that way about one another and, and, and this whole body, we get that. But our, one of our core values is, is exactly this, that we can love you like a son and then still send you out. That's, that's one of the things we're going to be about. So that's Onesimus. We see Epaphras, who is the founding pastor of Colossae, and he hears the gospel from, from Paul and then goes to Ephesus to learn the gospel from Paul. And then we get to see how he goes back. We've been mentioning this in the intro, right? You guys know this one. He's going back to the church at Colossae and he founded that church while he was there. And, and if we look at two in particular, Epaphras and Tychicus, we see this. That Epaphras had said, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus? He says, he greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God, for I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Let me read what it says about Tychicus, and then I'm going to make three things I think we can apply to our life, and then uh, we are going to uh, charge our elders. It says, Tychicus will tell you about all my activities. He's a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant of the Lord. This is said about both of these men. I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that it may encourage your hearts. So there's three things I really want us to get in this because like I said, these were extraordinary people that had lived extraordinary lives, but it wasn't because they themselves had all the tools to do that. 
It was because Christ in them was enough to impact the lives around them. And they believed that to be true enough to reorder their lives around the gospel in a way that changed everything about how they lived. Uh, changed their finances, changed how much time they were doing different things, probably changed all of their hobbies, changed their, their whole schedule, everything about their, their future, uh, their 401k, all these things. They, none of them like sidestepped this impact of the gospel on their life. These men were never the same after this. And we believe that there were many, many women that were never the same. If you were even mentioned, you know, we, we get this, that there should be more. We get that. But the bottom line is this. All right. That it's Christ in them that impacted them and caused them to, to leave. So, so what do we get from that? If, if it's Christ in us, how does that work? And the first thing I want you to get is that in Christ, you are a servant of Christ Jesus. You are a servant of Christ Jesus. You have Christ in you. You are a servant of Christ Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to be one. Uh, serving Christ as we operate in that just in a practical world means that you serve people. That's, that's what Jesus did. He came to serve us. And he's serving God. He's honoring that, but he's also serving uh, all the time. And so when we're serving, how do we do that? Well, we serve with the gifts that we've been given. Back in, as we were talking a moment ago, we want to recognize that there is different giftings, right? And there's, there's no denying that. Some of you guys are so capable. Y'all are doing things I can't begin to imagine how to figure out how to do that. This renovation has been fun because there's real practical things that people are doing. And I'm like, I wouldn't even know where to begin. And y'all are just knocking it out. It's, it's amazing even on a spiritual level, I watch some of you guys, the way that you live and move and operate and disciple and do evangelism and encourage one another, give and, and teach. And uh, man, it's, it's incredible. I, I think I, I pray when I watch some of you inspire me. I'm like, God, you know, if it's your will, uh, use me in, in greater ways than that. But I think God's desire is not to necessarily give any one of us all the gifts in spades. He has built it so that we all need each other and we all don't grow proud in our own gifting. But we grow in faith in the one who gives gifts. He's able to do supernatural work through his people that he's chosen to give gifts to. Are you with me? It's a mouthful. But in reality, I want you to, to, to really sit on this truth that it's not about, you know, whether or not I can recognize all the things about me. You have to trust that if God wants to use me and he does, he does want to use you. And if Christ is in you, you are a servant of Christ Jesus. He's called you to something. And so he will gift you for what he wants you to do. So whether that's teaching, giving, serving, uh, prophesying the truth, uh, encouraging, giving mercy, providing leadership, and there are others uh, so that others might mature, whatever those things are. Can I say this? We're a moment in our church where we need Christ in you to rise up so that you use the gifts that God has given you because we desperately want to reach this community. And we know we can't do it with just a handful of us. It's going to take everybody. And so part of this message, if you can, if you, that I'm excited about this passage is this, is that there's some of you in here that honestly, you, and for good reasons, all right, you probably found somebody who's serving really well and you've got a tremendous admiration for them. And that admiration has caused you to think, wow, I guess I just don't have what they have. So I'll just sit and watch. That is not what we want you to Listen, use the gifts that God has you, uh, as God has given you, walk in those. And the whole thing starts working. I think grass is always greener, right? When I see people that have these gifts that I desire, I'm like, man, I wish I could operate like that. I wish I had that in me. I can, I can, desire, I can sort of start feeling upset, defensive, and discouraged that I don't have that gift. Or I can sit back and be like, well, God must have given me something to offer. So let me, let me figure out what that is. Let me hone that gift. Let me fan it into flame, the gift of God, right? We get to read this. This is what he does. And 
Timothy is a very young, young man. Paul gives this encouragement. There's a flame that's begun. You fan it into flame. It starts small. Listen, the gift that is in you, and that gift is Christ in you. That gift is the gifts of the Holy Spirit as he works upon you and in you and through you. Like, so you get to play a part. Like, if, if you have this passion for this thing, this gift for this thing, and then ignore it and walk around and never use it, there's a good chance that, that you're still kind of early on. You're, you need to develop that gift some more. But understand that God has given you gifts and engage with that and say whether if that's preparation or if I'm getting started right now, one way or the other, I'm getting moving on this thing. So either uh, either you can you can think I'm of no use. And if you if you win that, then basically you're saying, God, you're a liar. All right. Because you didn't give me any gifts. And he says he has. So I believe that about you. God is not a liar. So you do have gifts. So either you haven't discovered it or you haven't trained it up. All right. So one of the two there, you need to focus. Let's figure out what it is. And then let's let's train up that gift and let God hone it for his kingdom and use that. Uh, and I trust that he will. Uh, you can read in several places where God encourages us with that. Um, in, in the second thing I want you to get is that this in Christ, you are a disciple maker. You're your servant, a bond servant to the Lord, because we've signed up for it. We want we want to do that. We are a servant of the living God Two, in Christ. You're a disciple maker. And this is where I get back to that and what I was saying about Paul having this wake behind him like an aircraft carrier just churning up everything behind him. And I want to be that. God has called us to make disciples. That's the work that he's given us to go into all the world and make disciples. This is what he's challenged us to do. So the end game of our serving is to glorify God in obeying that mission to make disciples and where we are. And he receives glory as we do that. And so we have to understand that, that he has called us into the process of, of making disciples. Let me read this to you. It says that God gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the full unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So He's saying, I want you to use all these gifts to the measure of of Christ in you, right? So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So you see this, that God has this desire for us to grow in maturity as followers of Christ, disciples with Christ. This is a, a progressive kind of thing. And what we just read is God's way to do it. That the, inside the church, as we use our gifts, we challenge one another and encourage one another, equip one another to grow in maturity in Christ so that we're not deceived by false teaching that was so prevalent in Colossae. We're not deceived by trends and all those things. And we're not led astray by counterfeits. Instead, uh, because we are followers of Christ walking in maturity, instead, we're like Paul bringing people with us. We enter into that process of being discipled and making disciples. And so I, I, I want to say this. Some of you guys 
look around and you think, wow, there's no one that I could disciple. Can I remind you that we have lots of people in this community that need to grow, that need to be discipled, that need a mentor, that need someone to step into their life and apprentice them in the faith. If you're not familiar with that term disciple, this is the bottom line is, is you get to apprentice them in how to walk with Jesus. It's not like you can't do discipleship 100% in the classroom. You can't even do it 100% in a small group. At some point, it's got to shift to life on life, right? It's like you can go to school. Some of you guys uh, work in plumbing. I mean, you can go to school, right, all you want. You can learn a lot uh, about plumbing. But when you show up at this next house and have to put it into practice, man, it really helps to have somebody there to show you how to operate in what you've learned. And, and it's so crucial. So when we think about how God has called us to be a part of making disciples, then there's some of you guys that are gifted on every end of this. You're like, well, I'm not a teacher. Well, guess what? You can still make disciples. It's, it's not about teaching information. It's about sharing the transformation that's happened in your life and letting God work that out in other people. You know, it's, it's kind of like they say vision can't be taught. It has to be taught or caught, excuse me, <laughs> with a C, caught. And I, and I think there's a certain element of discipleship that happens in that. It's life on life, close hand-to-hand combat uh, with somebody else that causes you to grow into maturity. Uh, you can try and do it all in the classroom, but you're going to miss out on a ton of stuff. You can try and do it all. This is why the church is so helpful, right? This is why we're committed to be the church, not just attend church. Is because when we come here, we allow ourselves to get just all mixed up, all mixed up together, right? And as we do that, we're, we're pushed and held accountable and, and we grow as we're sharpened in what God has for us as each of these gifts are put into place. And so when I say this, uh, when we admire Paul for this wake of people who were disciples behind him, I want you to know that that is not because Paul had something you don't have. Listen, he had different, a, a different skill set, a different gifting that God had given them. But in your gifting, to whatever level, all right, none of us are going to be Apostle Paul, right? None of us. I mean, certainly not me. I mean, that's not going to happen. So we could all sit here and be like, well, we can't do it as well as Paul. So I guess we'll just pack it in, you know? Like, like that's not it, right? So don't let someone else's success over there keep you from engaging with what God has for you, right? That would just be insanity. Just because we all can't be the Apostle Paul, so we just sit around and pretend we can't, we can't achieve anything? No, God wants to work through you. And it's not about what you get done. The harvest is the Lord's, right? It's that you're being obedient to Christ in you. You're allowing him to work in you. And you have the joy of walking with him. Now, if God calls you to reach a zillion people, oh, man, I'm going to be so excited for that. And I know you're going to be really encouraged. And if you're sitting here and you only get to have impact on a handful of lives because that's all that God gave you to deal with. That's what he, he wanted you to focus and go deeper with those people. When you face God Almighty at his throne room, the best thing we can do, he's going to say, well done, my really effective, talented, gifted servant. That's not what he says, is it? My good and what? Faithful. That's the measure, right? So our, our thing here is not to be amazing. It's to be faithful. And why is it so important to God that we are good and faithful? It's because God knows that it was him. Steve and I were talking about this message earlier this week, and we were laughing. We were like, what if Moses had gone up to the Red Sea, you know, and he had raised up that rod before, and it began to part. He let his chest bow out. He was like, look, guys. <laughs> what if he walked off and be like, man, I got the goods, right? I can part seas. What do we think? It, would it be, how silly would it be for him to be like, I have a gift. I'm a very gifted sea parter. And, they, and write a paperback book. This is how you become a sea parter, right? First, you find a stick, you know? You're like, what if he's done that? This makes no sense at all, right? 
Because it's easy to look at in other people's lives. We can look at it and be like, well, okay, you know. And we look at the person because that's what we can see with our own eyes, right? We're like, wow, what a gifted. They're just oh, so amazing. I could never do that. Enemy wins. It's not, it's not what God wants. If you see Moses in that story, you didn't read it right. It's God who parted the Red Sea. And if Moses somehow got some crazy idea that he had it in him to do that, oh my goodness. And Moses knew better. Thank goodness. We ought to know better too. So you can sit there and be like, well, I can't part seas. Listen, Moses can't even part seas. It's God. So be faithful to what he gives you, whether that's great or in your eyes small. Can I just give a word to you? It doesn't matter if you think it's small. If God told you to do it, it is great. Your opinion doesn't matter about it. If, if, if it's something that you feel like is not a very big impact, but God told you to do it, then there's nothing more important than you could possibly do in the world than to complete a task given you by the one true sovereign king of the universe. It's pretty important. So you're like, well, that's not that big of a deal. Just do it. And watch how your heart gets filled with joy and satisfaction, even in the small and mundane, Right? I mean, you're changing a diaper one more time for the glory of God. Whatever you do, right? Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. You know, this is an impact in my world. It's glorifying God, the way you're handling that. I'm sweeping this floor again. <laughs> do it for the glory of God, right? I mean, I'm getting off. But we're talking about making disciples. God has called us to do just that. In Christ. We can live lives like these men did, and it's so beautiful to see that they operated in that. And the last thing, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move, is this that in Christ you're a hard worker. Now you just, I got carried away here, so I'm just gonna let this kind of carry itself because I think you get this right. That Paul is commending some of these people for being a hard worker. Now what's hard about this to get is because we're saying what sounds like two contradictory things. We're saying it's Christ in you, you're not doing it, and that is absolutely true. But if you thought that that somehow looks like you sitting on the couch, we've kind of been doing this, or you sitting back and just watching, then you've missed something. If Christ is in you, he's going to move you. If following Christ, having Christ in you is going to put your life into motion. Now, some of that will look a little more athletic than others, and then really we're not talking about just your arms and legs. We're talking about how God moves your life. He moves your heart. He moves you into action, whether that's physical or whether that's in other ways. God is going to move you. Like You get to be filled with Christ. And Steve does the example often where we talk about how the hand fills the glove. And if we don't glorify the glove, it's the hand that's in it. That's what's moving in the same way. That is what we're seeing here. So understand this, that we always struggle. We're like, well, I don't want to get ahead of God, right? I don't want to do these kind of things. And, and yes, that is absolutely true. We don't want to do that. But sometimes we use that as an excuse to sit around and not do anything. And you'd be surprised how much God has told us to do in black and white in scripture that is so obvious that we're not obeying. I mean, we, that's the challenge of reading scripture, right? And that's why some of us don't like to do it. Because every time you read it, no matter who you are, you're sitting there like, man, there's another thing that I'm not putting into action in my life. There's another thing I'm not dealt with in my life. So if you're sitting there like, I don't really want to, I just don't want to get ahead of God. Listen, just catch up first. Like, let's just <laughs> obey what we know. I mean, it's true, right? It's so true. And we use that excuse to just sit around. But God's like, just obey what I've already said in black and white. And if you need my direction in the spontaneous moment by the Holy Spirit, it'll be there. But just be obedient to, to, to get, get going, right? Get moving. God, God has called us to hard work. And he's, he's mentioning these guys. 
So some of the way we operate in Christianity is just like we get lazy and, and you know, we, we just sit around and we think that that's a pious thing to do. We have taken that, taken that, that passage, be still and know that I'm God. And we're just like, yes, Lord. <laughs> yes. We love that verse, don't we? Well, what about go into all the world? Do we have to obey that one too? Yeah, to make sure you do both, but don't use one to excuse the other, okay? Because you can do it both ways, the way I'm preaching and the opposite. But let's be obedient to all that God has called us to do. So as we change gears, God has led us to walk in light of the truth he's given us in Colossians, right? He's called us to be a servant of the Lord, to be disciple makers, to be hard workers, to where we get into motion and we set ourselves up for obedience to God. And we read this passage, we get kind of to the end and we see that, that Paul says, see that you fulfill the ministry you have received in the Lord. That, what a challenge, right? See to it that you fulfill, that you complete the ministry you received in the Lord. So whatever that is, whether that's, you know, A or B, whatever it is, fulfill it. And so I say this to, to Keith and Ricky, who were about to ordain. That is the charge that, that each of us have to deal with. And we recognize that, that you have accepted this challenge in your own life. You've demonstrated that you've accepted this challenge in your own life, which is why we want to recognize this and ordain you and, and set you apart in this fellowship to serve and operate in the office of elder. Because we see these characteristics at work in you and our body has seen these at work in you. And for the glory of God, we see Christ in you working in a way that honors him, that deserves the office of elder. And our church needs you to operate in that office because we desire godly leadership that guards and protects us from all of the error that's out there. And so we're so grateful for that. And our charge to you today as we, as we get here is to fulfill the ministry, Keith, that God has given you, has called you to. I say that with, with terror in my own heart because I hear it, that God desires that same thing for me and for Ricky to fulfill the ministry that God has called you to, brother, and the same thing. You know, when we get that, and we're going we're gonna to charge them in a moment, we're going to ordain them, but can I flip this back to all of us? That I really believe that at the beginning of this, we said that these aren't super Christians with things that we don't have. These are normal believers. They were worthy of honor, but they were worthy of honor because they believed what God said about them and operated in that truth. It's what we call faith, right? I believe that Christ is in me and he's able to do anything he chooses to do through me that he desires, right? And they operated in that way and we see God doing glorious things in their lives. And so if you're here as a part of this body, then what we want to say is this, that we are called to help one another grow into maturity. And that maturity is not so we collect a bunch of people in here. Listen, when Paul was doing his job well, people got scattered all over the place. And hopefully that doesn't mean you get scattered out all over the world. Hopefully God leaves at least a few of us here to reach this community because we love Gilmer with all our hearts and desire to see it come to know Jesus. This is where he's planted us and this is where we're serving right now. But we love God enough to even go beyond that. But if you're here and something in you, like you, you caught it, you caught the enemy and the lie he's been telling you that you don't have the goods, that it was about you to begin with. And now you realize that that was the wrong question at the beginning. Like that wasn't even the thing to be evaluating. It's just, okay, I have Christ in me. What does that mean? What is normal? What is, what's a new normal for my life? And we worry about radical when we get there. Let's just get normal, right? Right? Like, and, and, 
If we can operate in that, God will receive so much glory. Our community will receive so much truth. And we will have so much joy as we walk in fellowship with our God who's called us. Listen, I want to invite you. There are so many ways, and we're going to do a better job of communicating some of the ways that you can serve in this church. There are about to be more. As these tools uh, get developed, there are going to be so many places. Our children's ministry is going to need a bunch of workers. Our youth ministry needs a bunch of workers. Uh, There's so many things. We're going to have uh, some really cool things out here so that when someone comes here for the first time, we can love on them in some ways that they can really receive it. Uh, We're going to try and do a better job of getting out of our community and and following up with people who, who have come here and have hung out with us a little bit. We want to make sure we engage. We need people that have a heart to do that. Um, we need to expand our Sunday school, our small group ministry. All these kind of places are full. The cleanup around here does not take just a few minutes. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge job. And, and our yard out there, right, Sonny? It's just like it keeps getting bigger. And so um, it's like, the, the, it's not just the grass growing, it's the property. It's just like it keeps expanding. Anyway, uh, we need help in so many places. And you were like, well, I can't do any of these big impactful things like Paul did. Can you cut grass? Because that'd be a game changer. <laughs> can't, right? Like, can, you, can you do this? Can you paint? Because that'd be... Can I be honest? Can we get Steve out doing what he's gifted to do instead of painting? That'd be great, right? That'd be pretty awesome. So uh, I, I, want, I want to invite you as Covenant Community of LJ, as the church of the one true God, to believe this incredible truth that because you have Christ in you, you can live a God-honoring, supernatural life, not because you got the goods, but because you have Christ in you. That is the mystery. We can't really comprehend it or understand it, but it is Christ in you, and it is our hope of glory. We want to thank you one more time for taking the time to listen to these messages that God's provided our fellowship. We believe he's doing something special among us and would love for you to be a part of it. We hope that you'll take the time to come and visit us in person someday soon. And we invite you to visit our website, covenantcommunitylj.com. There you'll find information on how to contact us if you have a prayer request or if there's a specific way we can minister to you and your family. Until then, God bless you.